Welcome back to the Gospel Baptist Church podcast, where we focus on the Bible and God's plan for our lives. Though this day in history is filled with pain and confusion, the Bible offers the hope and instruction we all need. So let's dive into today's message and hear how God's Word has the answers for today. For your success is your reward. Perhaps you've denied yourself and saved really, really hard for something you really needed. Maybe that something was a mortgage or a new car. But let me ask you a question. Have you ever sacrificed for something you knew you would never personally benefit from? You say, about kids, of course I do it all the time. Right? But no, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about sacrificing for someone outside your family and you it costs you and you wonder afterwards should i've done that that was a bit much maybe i should have maybe i shouldn't have i'm not sure and you're questioning yourself i'm sure questions were going through the mind of mary after she made her sacrifice this mary we're talking about is mary bethany and this morning i want to talk about mary's sacrifice john chapter 12 look at verse 1 <clears throat> Then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. There they made him a supper, and Martha served, but Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. Then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the odour of the ointment. Then said one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him. Why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had a bag and bare that what was put therein. Then said Jesus, let her alone against the day of my burying had she done this. For the poor always he have with him, with, sorry, with you, but me he have not always. Which people of the Jews therefore, when he was there, and they came, knew that he, went, that he was there, should I say, and they came not for Jesus' sake only, but that they might see Lazarus also, whom he raised from the dead. But the chief priests consulted that they might put Lazarus also to death, because that, by reason of him, many of the Jews went away and believed on Jesus. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father in heaven, as we look at Mary's sacrifice this morning, I pray our hearts will be stirred. Lord, this is our hour. This is your hour. This is the Lord's day. This day belongs to you. Oh God, help us. Minister to your people this morning. Thank you for your people who've made a decision to be in, in church. They could have gone to the beach. They could have gone to uh, out with their families, whatever, having a picnic or whatever. But your people have made a decision to be in God's house this morning. And I praise you for that, Lord. I pray you bless them. I pray you encourage them. And I pray you minister to your people, Lord. They need your word. They need the encouragement of your word. So, Father, I pray you'd use your word deeply in our hearts. And I pray, God, you'd speak to our hearts. I pray we'd leave here having met with God. I, I, I've already prayed that we'd enter the throne room. Lord, draw us to the throne room. And I pray your Holy Spirit will speak through your word in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. First thing I want to share with you, number one, five things I want to share this morning. 
Number one, Mary's sacrifice was at the right time. It was at the right time. Look at verse one here. Then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. The Bible tells us it was six days before the Passover. Now, the Passover was the main sacrifice of the Jews. It was the main feast of the Jews. In fact, there were three main feasts. Exodus 23 says, Three times in the year, all thy males shall appear before the Lord. The Passover was one of those three feasts. In fact, the whole family would usually come. The males were required to come, and the whole family would be there as a nation of Israel celebrated the day when they were liberated from the slavery of Egypt. They had been enslaved. It was their independence day, if you like. And they were free, and they rejoiced in their freedom. It was like the day they remembered that their country was born, their nation was born. It was a day of patriotism. Each family would offer a sacrificial lamb, one without spot or blemish. It would ultimately point to the Lamb of God who would come into this world, sent from God. So this Passover, sorry, this sacrifice was six days before the Passover, and this Passover would be, this Passover would be the time of our Lord's crucifixion. Three years earlier, John the Baptist saw the Lord Jesus Christ, and he pointed to him and pointed people to him, and he said, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Now Mary was making a great sacrifice of her own. Just six days before the Lamb of God would make his sacrifice as he went to the cross for our sins. So Mary's sacrifice was at the right time, but secondly, Mary's sacrifice was in the right place. Look at verse 1 again. Now Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany. That's the place. It was Bethany. According to John chapter 11, verse 18, Bethany was about two miles from Jerusalem. In fact, it was slightly less than two miles away from Jerusalem. It was the town where Lazarus had been raised from the dead. That's what we read in verse 1 here. And no doubt the news of that miracle traveled towards Jerusalem. It was only two miles away. Somebody rose again from the dead. You're kidding me. I mean, they would have read that in the Jerusalem Chronicle, wouldn't they? Guess what happened from big news? And perhaps the news of what the sisters did and how they, this Mary sacrificed would also travel fast through to Jerusalem Chronicle. I'll say there was a paper called the Jerusalem Chronicle back there, but you get the point, right? News traveled fast back then. Maybe it's called the Jerusalem Post, who knows? It was made in Bethany. But secondly, it was made in the house of Simon the leper. We, we, we assume because Lazarus was there and Mary and Martha were there that was in their house, but it wasn't their house. Not this time. It was another person's house. Matthew chapter 26, verse 6 and 7 says, Now when Jesus was in Bethany, in the house of Simon the leper. So they were in somebody else's house, Simon the leper's house. There came a woman having an alabaster box. You know, the Lord had a lot of friends. He could have been in, 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 in Lazarus's house, but he wasn't. He was in Simon the leper's house. The Lord had a lot of friends who were loyal to his ministry. They were usually those whose lives were completely changed by the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, it makes sense. When you're saved in the church, you're baptized in the church, you're helped by the church, you're usually that type of person who will get behind the work of the church because it worked for you, didn't it? And if it works for you, then you want it to work for other people. You want to support it. You want to keep it. You want it to keep going. It's a way of giving back, isn't it? 
I think of this Saturday coming, six days away, a man called Ray Kelly is planning to run 75 kilometers from Kells all the way to the mental. 75k, it's a long way, isn't it? You say, why would this man run 75k in a day? He's raising money for the men's home. I want to encourage you to get behind that. I'll try and remember to send out the link this week so you can get behind it and support it in any way you can. But you know, in six days he's running 75k. Why? He was helped by that ministry. He's not the same. He used to be an addiction. His life is a wreck and a ruin. And when you're helped by a ministry, you want to give back. Isn't that right? And here is the Lord. In the house of Simon the leper. I guess he wasn't a leper anymore, amen? When you come to Jesus, he doesn't leave you the way he found you. Isn't that right? He works in your life and he changes you and he helps you. That's the, our God would never leave us the way we came. He says, come as you are, but you will not leave the same way. Because our Lord loves us too much. So he was called Simon the leper, but he had no leprosy. It's like saying, Lazarus the dead man. You know? But Lazarus wasn't dead. He was raised from the dead by the Lord Jesus Christ. Brethren, I want to tell you something. The Lord had a lot of friends. And in Bethany, our Lord made a number of good friends. People who believed in him. They believed in his work. They wanted to get behind him. They wanted to support him. They gave from their hearts and they gave of their resources. Because that's normal, isn't it? When somebody makes a big imprint on your life, it's normal to give back. I know ten lepers were healed and only one came back and gave thanks. Nine lepers were ungrateful, but that's not normal, is it? It's not normal to be ungrateful when somebody makes a big imprint on your life. Boy, it's normal to want to give back. And that was, that was Simon, the leper, the ex-leper, we should say. And that was Mary. So Mary's sacrifice was at the right time. It was in the right place. But thirdly, I want us to see from the Bible, it was by the right person. Look at verse 3 here. Then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard. It was at Mary who sat at the feet of Jesus while her sister served. Look to Luke chapter 10. Let's go back. Keep your marker there in John 10. And let's go back to Luke 10. John 12, should I say? Luke 10. Luke chapter 10, please. In your Bible, verse 30 to 32. Sorry, 38 to 42. My mistake. 38 to 42. Luke 10, verse 38 to 42. It was that Mary who sat at the feet of Jesus. Okay? Look at verse 38. Now it came to pass... As they went and he entered into a certain village and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about with much service. I mean, she was busy. And came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister had left me alone to serve? Okay. You know those things happen, okay? Be it her therefore that she come to me and help me. Verse 41. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, they were careful and troubled about many things, but this one thing is needful. And Martha hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from. Sorry, I said Martha, I meant to say Mary. Mary had chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. You know, sometimes it's easier to serve 
than to sit at the feet of Jesus. Now, I want to qualify that. Sometimes it's easier to do nothing than serve, okay? But if it's, if it's, a, poor, if it's a, a, if a choice between serving or sitting at the feet of Jesus, sometimes it's easier just to be busy. Because I want to tell you something this morning, brethren, it takes effort to get into your Bible. Isn't that true? It takes effort to spend time in prayer. And I'm not going to take a poll this morning, but if I asked you how many of you spend an hour of day, day in prayer, I don't know if we'd have a ton of people raise their hands and say, yeah, I spend an hour of constant, of, 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 of solid time in prayer. That's hard, isn't it? How many people in here spend an hour and a half or two hours in prayer? Ooh, wow. I mean, that's really hard. I'm not going to ask, I'm not asking for a list of hands. I know you don't need to raise your hands, but I'm just saying it's hard work. Praying is hard work, isn't it? It's easier to say, okay, what do you want me to do, Lord? I'll do it. It's easier to pray because I want to tell you something, brethren. You expend more energy praying than you do serving. It's harder work, it just is. It's harder to get one to preaching of the Word of God than it is to serve. Because, you know, how many go home and say, you know, when I go home, I just, I just want to, I don't, again, don't, you don't need to raise your hand. I'm not asking to raise your hands, but I'm just asking the question. How many go home and say, you know, when I go home, I just listen to sermons. I just love listening to sermons. I just listen to sermon after sermon. You know? It's hard. Because when you're listening to sermon, God's working in your life. Isn't that right? And he's showing you stuff you need to change. Like, ooh, 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 that hurt the Lord, you know? And God is working in your life and he's challenging you. It's hard. It's hard to listen to sermon after sermon because, okay, some people think once a week is enough, you know? But you need the Wednesday as well. You know, okay, let's go with twice a week anyway. You know, but it's hard when you take more of that because God is working in your life and he's chipping away in your life. It's hard. It's easier to serve. It's easy. Okay, Lord, what do you want me to do? I'll do it. It's easier to serve than sit at the feet of Jesus. Now, when I say it's easier to serve, we desperately need workers. We put out an appeal this morning. We need people to get behind the work of God. We need people to say, you know what? I'm busy. You're the people I want. Busy people get things done. They just do. Busy people are the ones I want. You say, I'm busy. Okay, you're the one I want. Let's get things done. Let's, let's work for God. We need more workers. We need more stuff done around here. We need to honor Christ with our building. We need to be a good testimony in this business park. We need more workers. We need more people to be involved in the work of God. And there's more stuff, by the way, in the burner. I got three phone calls from people wanting us to put on a music concert. We need help. We need people to get behind this and say, I want to serve. We need servants to help with the, with the, we needed servants, should I say, to help with the holiday Bible club. Praise God for those people who will deserve. We need servants to keep Gospel Baptist Church functioning. If people don't get behind this work, it'll die, isn't that right? It'll die. It's so important. But there's more work to be done. There are more needs. But before you can serve effectively, brethren, there's something you need to do first. Mary figured it out. The Bible tells us she sat at the feet of Jesus. She sat at the feet of Jesus, verse 39, and heard his word. What was she doing? She was listening to every word he said. She was hearing him talk about his work. She was learning his ways. She was learning his attitude. 
Because, brethren, we can serve and we can push and we can push our way through and just do our duty, but that's not how you serve. Now, I know sometimes we do it that way anyway. I get that. I completely get that. God would, has a higher way for us to serve. He wants us to serve resting in Him. He wants us to serve rejoicing in Him. He wants us to serve focused on Him. He wants us to serve not because we have to, but because what? We want to. And that comes when you sit at His feet. Because, brethren, I want to tell you something. When you have people sitting at the feet of Jesus, those are the people who make the best servants. You with me here this morning? Because they're soaking up the heartbeat of Christ. And they're serving. And I'm not saying people who, 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 who struggle to sit at His feet don't make good servants. I'm not saying that at all. I'm glad for everyone who serves. But the people, if you want to really learn how to serve in a powerful way, sit at the feet of Jesus. Learn from Mary. It was her intimate relationship with Jesus Christ that empowered her service. Oh, brethren, that God's people would lay hold on God. Oh, that God's people would spend time with God and get away from their busy schedule and get away. I was going to look for my phone, but it's being used to record. But get away from their phones. The idol of our age. What's going on on Facebook? Oh, to put away our phones and leave them behind and put them on silent and, and, and just, just say, I'm going to spend time with Jesus to sit at his feet. Oh, for people who would begin the day with Christ. We're too busy not to spend the day with Christ. But oh, for people who would get their Bibles out and mull over the Word of God and enjoy the Word of God. And the only reason you're getting in the Word of God is because you want to sit at Jesus' feet. Amen? Not a good way to open your Bible. Lord, speak. I want to sit at your feet. And you go and you walk and you spend time. Out. I, I walk and as I pray, and, and maybe you don't, but maybe you kneel down. If I kneel down, I'll fall asleep, guaranteed. Unless I'm in a group of people, I tend not to fall asleep in our prayer meetings in church, which is a good thing. But uh, if I'm on my own, invariably, <laughs> I, I always do, no matter what, I can have a 12 hour sleep. Not that I ever do, but I could have had 12 hours sleep. I knew then to pray and I'll fall asleep very, very quickly. I have to walk. I have to pray and walk. And you know what works for you. But when you spend that time with God that works for you, sit at the feet of Jesus, so to speak. Enter in the very presence of God and enjoy his sweet fellowship. Mary was the right person. It was that Mary who sat at the feet of Jesus. It was Mary who was crushed when her brother died. Go back to John chapter 11, please. John chapter 11. This was the right person to make the sacrifice. John chapter 11. John 11, verse 30. Now when Jesus was not yet coming to town, and we preached on this a couple of weeks ago, but was in that place where Mar Martha met him, the Jews which were with her in the house and comforted her when they saw Mary, that she rose up hastily and went out, followed her, saying, She goes unto the grave to weep there. Then, when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying, Lord, saying unto him, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. She was in bits. Friends were trying to comfort her. She couldn't stop weeping. She couldn't stop weeping. This is the Mary that made that sacrifice. 
It was that Mary who did not come to Jesus when he finally arrived into town. Look at verse 20. It says in verse 20, And Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met with him. But Mary sat still in the house. I was speaking to a... Um, we're doing an evangelistic campaign in Lucan, and Josiah's going to announce it last week. He's the one that's sort of spearheading it. And uh, he's going to announce it next week. Did I say last week? Okay, next week he's going to announce it, but, but we are doing evangelism and, and uh, we're putting leaflets and doors. And I got talking to this guy outside, and uh, he said, No, no I'm not, not interested. I'm not religious. I never was. I said, Really? Oh, you never were. And we got into the conversation, and, and then he told me that his, he lost his wife 10 weeks ago. I'm so sorry. So sorry. And, and we got into a really good conversation. And at the end of it, he, he said, you're a Christian, aren't you? I said, yeah. He said, will you pray for me? And he gave me his name. And, I, and I'm, I'm praying. We had a really good conversation. But the thing I want to get across here is, he said, I don't know if I believe in God, but if there is a God, I'm angry at him. Sometimes people get bitter at God. They get bitter at God. I think bitter people don't even know they're bitter. I'm really glad for people who are honest. John, we, we were reading James today, let your yay be yay, your nay be nay. I wonder how many of God's people are bitter. And life has not given you the circumstances you're looking for, and you're just struggling with it. Or just disappointment after disappointment, and you're, you're just struggling with it. You know, bitterness can enter into our hearts. Can I say it's normal? Can I, can I, can I be very bold with you this morning and say, bitterness is actually normal? For us to go through. If you read the, the Bible, you read Job, one of God's most faithful servants, he got bitter at God. And you read about David in the Psalms, and he says, Lord, why does the prosper, righteous prosper? Why, sorry, why do the wicked prosper? And, and then words to the effect of why do the righteous have such a hard time? It doesn't seem fair, does it? But the first step to getting through bitterness is to admit you're bitter. I remember a woman years ago who said, you're bitter. She said, I'm not bitter. Don't call me bitter. She was as bitter as I could. She couldn't say anything positive. I'm so glad to be able to honest and say, you know, I'm struggling with bitterness. Mary was struggling with bitterness. I think. I presume. Because when Jesus came into town, Martha ran to him. Mary stayed at home. She wasn't going. She wasn't happy with Jesus. And sometimes we're like that. And we say in our hearts, I would have right to treat God this way, but I feel this way, and I don't know how to deal with it in my own heart. But you've got to go through the process. You've got to work through it. And the first way to work through it is you go to God and say, Lord, I am struggling with bitterness. Help me. And then the grace of God just steps in. You know, I prayed for this man, I won't give you his name publicly, but I, I, I'll, I could, don't mind telling you privately, but I, I told him, I said, you know what? I'm going to pray for you that the God will know God's presence, that you know God is there. Because he needs to be ministered to a God he's angry at. And God is so gracious. He takes us right where we're at in our struggle, in our heartache, in our pain, and he'll take us where we need to go. And he'll never leave us a sin again. Aren't you glad about that? Mary, she was crushed. And she didn't come to Jesus when he finally arrived. 
But it was this Mary, the sister of Lazarus, who was raised from the dead. Let's go to chapter 12. Chapter 12, look at verse 1. It says, Then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany, where Jesus, which was, was, should I say, which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. There, well, there they made him a supper, and Martha served, but Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. And of course, Mary was there. We're going to talk about Mary now in a second. Mary was saved. Do you know what I mean when I say saved? She knew her sins were forgiven. Mary had come to that place in her life where she had repented of her sin. She'd reckoned with God. She had a conversion experience and it was real for her. She had her own relationship with God. And sometimes when you tell unbelievers about that, they will say, you know, I admire what you have. But I'm okay. But Mary was more than okay. She had that relationship with, with, with the Lord. She was saved. And she loved the Lord. And she loved to listen, at, listen to him. But listen to this, brethren. When she saw her Savior raise her brother from the dead, listen to this, it took her relationship to a new level. It took her relationship to a new level. Brethren, I am so glad when Christians talk about their salvation and they talk about how glad they're saved, they are that they're saved. I think we should talk that way. We should rejoice in our salvation. But for so many, that's where they live in the realm of 24 years ago, 14 years ago, five years ago, whatever. I got saved, I became a Christian. And that's their testimony. And that's all they have. How limiting. Why should your testimony be limited to the day when you got saved? Has God stopped working? Has God ceased to be on the throne? No. Is our Lord the King of Heaven? Does He live from eternity to eternity? Is He still intervening in people's lives today? Yes. Where's your testimony for 2021? I think we need to have more than what we just talked about. Than, than just talking about the day we got saved 20 something years ago, or whatever your testimony is. You don't want to be shortchanged. I'm so glad I was taken from the road of destruction. I'm so glad God lifted my burden of sin that weighed me down for so long. I'm so glad my name was written in heaven. I'm, no, I'm so glad I'm no longer on my way to hell. But my testimony is so much more than that because God has worked in my life since then and He's worked in your life since then. And brethren, we need to have a richer relationship with Jesus Christ. We need to see God in a different way. We need to see God as someone who's more than someone we worship on a Sunday. We need to see God as someone who's more than someone we worship when we spend a few minutes in prayer. Or a few moments in His Word. And some of you listen to the Word of God. Praise God, it's great. Keep it up. But you need more than that. You need a real relationship with God. You need a relationship with God who delivers you from the strongest of temptations. You need a relationship with God who lifts your daily burdens and gives you joy. You need a relationship with God that helps you overcome all your fears. We are living in a world that's filled with fears and people give in to fears.
fears, and Christians are giving into fears, and we have no business as Christians giving into fear. We are saved. We're washed in the blood of Jesus. We're forgiven, and we have Him. And that's the way we need to think. Has God met you in your struggle? Has He met you right where you're at? Maybe you have a very difficult home situation. Has God met you in that home situation? Maybe you have a very difficult job situation. Has God met you in your job? Maybe you have a very difficult neighbor. Has God met you as you struggled to have a good attitude towards that neighbor? Do you have a testimony to share? Has God met with you? Have you met with God? Does God bless you in 2021? Brethren, Mary had that. Mary could testify that Jesus raised her brother from the dead grave. Amen. I'm not expecting anyone to say, hey, by the way, just to let you know, I love one who died. God just raised him up from the dead. He's walking around the street. I'm not expecting that. But God can meet you in a very powerful way, can't he? And do big things in your life too. Mary had a testimony and she wanted to sacrifice for her Savior. Mary sacrificed without the right time. It was in the right place. It was by the right person. But fourthly, it was at a high cost. Look at verse 3. Then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the odour of the ointment. Then said one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him, Why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? First of all, we see she, she gave up very costly perfume. Spikenard was very expensive. One of the most precious oils across Asia. It was sometimes used as special food seasoning. But in this case, it was used as a highly fragrant perfume. And it was very, very costly. Mary surrendered a year's salary, verse 5 tells us. It was worth 300 pence, and 300 pence is about 300 days' wages. And it would take people 300 long days, more than a year, to earn that type of money. <clears throat> I googled, Google, you know, Google knows everything. You ever notice that? So I found out that the average person typically earns about 38,000 euro. So therefore, Mary's sacrifice would have cost her over 40,000. Well, Hey, hey, listen, don't ask me, ask Google. Anyway, the Arab, Mary's sacrifice probably cost around 40,000 euros. It's a lot of money. Could you imagine getting that bottle of wood? 40,000 euros. God, in a moment of time. Mark 14, and she offered it for one time use. Look at verse 3. She took a, a, a pound of ointment of sparkling very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. Okay? Mark 14, verse 3 tells us she broke the box and poured it on his head. Commentators are divided about how, what it meant when she broke the box. Some say she broke the seal of the box, but it seems like the overall idea is this box was sealed with wax, and the wax was to keep it intact to keep it that it would last for centuries, you know, that sort of way. Okay, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but you get the point. Okay, to preserve it, it was sealed with this wax. But once she broke it, the seal was broken. And so she broke the seal, 
In other words, and, and it was breaking the cement, all the commentators tell us, it was a cement um, around the box, and when she broke this, it was ready to be used up. So when the seal was broken, the contents were no longer protected, but there was no need. Because Mary took every last drop of it and poured it all over Jesus. That precious body, which will be offered for our sins, was soaked in extremely expensive ointment. Look at this way. This commentators have said that people would keep this box of nard as their pension plan. It'd be like you taking your pension plan and saying, Lord, you can have it all. Now, I don't know, maybe you don't have a pension plan, they don't care. But if you did, that's pretty impressive, isn't it? It's gone. But it was a bit different. And I'm going to talk about that in, in a second, because her sacrifice suffered a backlash. Her sacrifice was at the right time, the right place, the right person, at a high cost. But Mary's sacrifice suffered a backlash. And we're going to talk about this now in a second. Verse 4, look at verse 4. Then saith one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him. One of the disciples. Criticism came from the family. That's hard, isn't it? You expect the family to support you. You expect the family to get behind you. You expect the family to be on board with what you're doing and encourage you. But when the family is not doing that, it's very, very hard. The twelve were supposed to be family. They were supposed to encourage her, not scrutinize her. Jesus did say in Mark chapter 6, verse 4, A prophet is not without honor, but in his own country and among his own kin and in his own house. That's where he's without honor. That's where the prophet gets a hard time. You know, we can be careless with our words. Family does that sometimes. Ah, it's only, I'm only joking, but no, that actually hurts. Family can sometimes be ruthless and say things that are mean and horrible because you can get away with it. But it hurts. There's a saying that goes like this, loose links, loose, loose lips sink ships. If we're not careful, we can really hurt people with our words. And that was what was going on in Mary's life. She was getting a backlash from the twelve. She was like, where did that come from? I mean, you can imagine her looking her at the, 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 at the twelve who were mocking and scorning her and thinking, and thinking in her heart, what? I thought we were on the same side here. Why aren't you supporting what I did here? Now, the Bible didn't record, she didn't say anything. But I'm sure she was very hurt. Criticism came because of the nature of the sacrifice. Look at verse 5. Why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? The sacrifice was considered too much. I mean, you could have given some of the ointment to the Lord and poured a little bit on his head, but all of it? What a waste! And when you poured that ointment all over his head and it went all the way down to his feet, some of it went on the ground. What a waste! And that's the word that was used. Waste. 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 Some people think it's a waste when we serve Christ. Why would you waste your life being a missionary when you could be a dentist? I was going to say a doctor, but the doctors always get the hard rap, don't they? They'll rather be the doctor. 
Why waste your life being a missionary when you could be an entrepreneur and make all sorts of money? Or a computer scientist? Why waste your time serving God? You're young. What a waste. And we expect that people from we expect that from unbelievers to say stuff like that, don't we? You don't expect that from your own. That criticism was harsh. The sacrifice was considered misdirected. Mark chapter 14, verse 4. And there were some that had indignation within themselves and said, Why was this waste of ointment made? Mary could have done so much with that money. She could have used that money to feed the poor. She could have used that money to go in the coffers so we'd have extra money for a rainy day. But you know what? Criticism is always what it is. It's criticism. Criticism came because of carnality. Look at verse 6. And he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the bag and buried that one which was put therein. Judas would soon reveal his true colors and he was stirring up anger in others. Can I just say something here, brother? Be careful who you allow into your head. There are people out there who are going to try and cut you down. I've had people who I work with say to me, ah, you're, on, you're doing this Christian thing. Don't worry, you'll grow out of it. I was 16 at the time. Praise God, I still haven't grown out of it, amen? I've had family members mock what I was doing. I was talking to a young lad yesterday, I don't mind giving you his name, his name is Carl, and I met him as on my walk, and uh, he said to me, he was just, he was only a young fellow, he was about 19 or 20, whatever he was, and, and he's, he looked at me, he's strange, he's like, what are you doing coming over to me, give me a leaflet, you know, I used to give him a leaflet, I started talking to him, and he just thought it was really strange. He said, people, do people ever tell you just to clear off? And then, you know, I just said to him, honestly, I don't care. And I really don't. Amen. I don't care. Why should I care? And here's the reason why. I'm not doing it for me. I'm doing it for him. I'm doing it because he needs to hear about Christ. And I, I just looked at the ground because I really, I just really didn't care. And I, I said, I don't care. I said, because I know where I'm going. I know my sins are forgiven. But you need to hear this. You know, be careful who you listen to. I've seen people hear a bit of criticism and they were out faintly serving the Lord. They hear a bit of criticism from a certain corner and they stop. Why? Because they're listening to the wrong voices. That voice didn't come from the one who sits on the throne. That voice didn't come from the one who is sovereign over all the ages. That voice didn't come from the one who puts food on your table, whose name is the Lord Jesus Christ, by the way. That voice came from a detractor, someone who's mocking you, someone who's scorning you, someone who doesn't take a vested interest in you serving the Lord. Don't listen to those voices. You need to listen to the voice of God. And Mary was getting a backlash from people who she should have expected more from. But she was listening to the voice of God. She was serving Christ. Isn't that a blessing? So by the way, when you serve Christ, always expect criticism. This is part and parcel of the territory, and that's fine. But the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, 33, Be not deceived, evil communications corrupt good manners. 
Don't allow yourself to be corrupted by the wrong voices. And don't allow yourself to be defiled by the poison of this world. Hebrews 12 verse 15, looking diligently lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness spring up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. This world is defiled. Don't get defiled by the world. Don't listen to their poison. So Mary's sacrifice was at the right time, in the right place, by the right person, at a high cost, or suffered a backlash. Oops, I had a sixth point. Let me finish the sixth point. Mary's sacrifice was commended by Christ. That's worth hearing, isn't it? Yeah. Her, sac his, her sacrifice was commended by Christ. Look at verse 7. Then said Jesus, Leave her alone! Amen? Aren't you glad you got someone in your corner who's bigger than you? Aren't you glad you got someone who's all-powerful, who takes your side when people criticize you for doing what's right? Do you know what Jesus said? Leave her alone. Let her alone. Against the day of my burying hath she done this. The poor always you have with you, but me you have not always. The one who would greatly suffer defended her actions. Leave her alone. You know, it's not nice when people gang up on you, is it? Have you ever been ganged up on? Yeah. Not nice. Or when people jump on the bandwagon. It's ungracious, it's unloving, it's prideful, and it's discouraging. And it also kills the team spirit, doesn't it? Leave her alone. Let her alone. The one who would greatly suffer defended her actions. And finally, the one who would suffer revealed her deep love and loyalty to him. Look at verse 7. It says here, Let her alone against the day of my burying had she done this. Pure, mar pure nard. A spike nard, right? Spike refers to the shape of the plant. have these spikes on it. But the nard was the actual plant. Pure nard is so potent, the aroma would last for days. Thus, as Christ will be taken shortly afterwards to his inquisition, as he would be mocked, beaten, scourged, and unjustly nailed to a cross, the sacrifice of Mary, that scent of the nard, would accompany his sufferings. Everywhere he went, people remembered Mary's sacrifice. They couldn't help but smell it. Why do you think that the Roman soldiers mocked him and said, treat him like a king? He smelt like a king. Whether she knew it or not, her actions pointed to God's great plan. Look at verse 7. Let her alone against the day of my burying had she kept this. She didn't know he was going to die on the cross for our sins. She didn't know he was going to be buried. She didn't know he was going to rise again the third day. But when she, she was just worshipping. You know, brethren, you don't know what's going to happen when you take a leaf of that and you give it to someone. You may never see that person again. But that person could be part of God's great plan to see a lot of people get saved. You don't know what God is doing. When that Scottish preacher felt like giving up, and he, he, he was preaching to a small crowd, a lot smaller than to the congregation we have this morning, and a small little crowd was there, and he felt like giving up, a little boy said, you know, Pastor, do you think someday... God might use me to be a preacher. And that discouraged pastor put his efforts and energies into that 10-year-old boy. That 10-year-old boy grew up to be Robert Moffat, a man God had greatly used in missions. You don't know the word of encouragement, how it's going to have an eternal benefit in somebody else's life. You don't know.
know. Mary didn't know. All she knew was she was doing what God wanted her to do. And people were going to criticize her. People were going to mock her. People weren't, weren't going to score her. But she didn't care. Do you know why? Because she loves Jesus. And when you really love the Lord and people criticize you, it's okay. It's okay. You know, people may criticize me for being a Man United fan, but I don't care. <laughs> I like him. I like Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Nice guy. Never met him, but he's a nice guy. It's only a normal game. It's only a game of football. But we're in the game of life. Real life. And people criticize me for being a follower of Jesus. I don't care. Why should I care? Why? Why should it be important to me that people criticize me for being a Christian? I'm a follower of Jesus. I know whose side I'm on. I know who's going to win in the end. Amen. She was part of God's plan. She didn't even know it. Her simple devotion rose above every religious leader of the land. Look at verse 10. The chief priests consulted that they might put Lazarus to death. The religious people of the land were, were, were thinking about how they were going to kill Lazarus. And then next they wanted to kill Jesus. But you know what? Mary rose above all them. I'm just going to worship. I'm just going to worship. And her simple devotions even set her apart from some of his disciples. Hard to believe that some of the twelve could point their finger at Mary for just demonstrating her love for Jesus Christ, isn't it? This morning we spoke about Mary's sacrifice and we've been blessed and encouraged as we've we were reminded of her devotion to Jesus Christ, our, her Savior. We've all made sacrifices to some extent, but oftentimes we do so for ourselves or for family members. How often is it that we have greatly sacrificed in Jesus' name for the benefit of others? Now, I know we've all done something for the benefit of others, but how often have we greatly sacrificed to the hurt for the benefit of others? How often have we greatly sacrificed so people criticized us for the benefit of others? How often have we greatly sacrificed when those who we would have expected to support us, because they're on our team, right? Even them look and say, don't you think you're taking this a bit too extreme? When's the last time we sacrificed like that? Eric Feldman speaks of meeting a Chinese couple in Hong Kong while on his way to China. And this is his testimony. I'm just going to quote what he said. A friend took me down a narrow alley to a second floor flat to meet a man recently released from prison in China. I knew I'd be pressed to carry Bibles and literature on my trip, but I was hesitant about legalities and other concerns. A Chinese man in his 60s opened the door. His smile was radiant, but his back was bent almost double. He led us to a sparsely furnished room. A Chinese woman of about the same age came to serve tea. As she lingered, I couldn't help but notice how she touched and lovely, how they touched and lovingly looked at each other. My staring apparently didn't go unnoticed. For soon they were both giggling. What is it? I asked my friend. Oh, nothing, he said with a smile. They just wanted you to know it was okay. They're newlyweds. Newlyweds? In their 60s? Okay, okay. I learned that they had, that decades earlier, when he was a student at Nanking Seminary, 
On the day of their wedding rehearsal, Chinese communists seized the seminary. They took the students to a hard labor prison for the next 30 years. The bride was allowed, the bride-to-be, they weren't married yet. The bride-to-be was allowed only one visit per year. Each time, following their brief minutes together, the man would be called into the ward's office. And he said, you can go home now, if you renounce your Christian faith. He answered every time with one word, no, for 30 years. Year after year, no. The man, Eric Feldman, who gave the story said, I was stunned. How had he been able to stand the strain for so long when asked a simple question? When I asked this Chinese man, he said, he seemed astonished at my question. And he replied, with all that Jesus has done for me, how could I betray him? The next day I requested that my suitcase be crammed with Bibles and training literature for these Chinese Christians. And as God had planned, my suitcases were never inspected. When is the last time you did something serious for Christ? May the Lord teach us to seriously sacrifice for him. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Can we do that? Oh God in heaven, thank you so much for your... Thank you for listening to today's message on the Gospel Baptist Church podcast. To view this and similar messages as a video, or for more information about Gospel Baptist Church, head over to lukeandchurch.com. That's lukeandchurch.com. Thank you again, and God bless.